Welcome to Heart of a Shepherd, a podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Now, here's Trinity's Rick Adams, Angela Ekstrin, and Pastor Carl Leyenbauer. Welcome back, everybody. Rick Adams here, Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt. In the podcast room with, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do it, Angela Axman. Hi, Rick. And Pastor Carl Anbauer. Hi, Rick. See see what I did there? Yeah, that, was, that was a reverse. <laughs> this is the first guard. part. Yeah, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> and uh, it is so good to be here with all of you. We're hoping that uh, the new year is going well for you, and we certainly are glad that you've taken time to be with us. And so as we continue in our Heart of the Shepherd podcast, we are finishing up chapter six of Luke's gospel, and we find ourselves zeroing in on the final verses, verses 37 through 42. And so Pastor Lambar, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right. Well, let's just uh, jump right in here and we'll have lots to talk about. Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive, you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I think I misspoke at the introduction. I said we were only going through verse 42. We're actually going through the end of the chapter, which is verse 49. Yeah. So um, right off the bat, we get some rather interesting picture language here about um, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. Mm -hmm. To me, those are just examples of extravagant generosity, Mm -hmm. right? All of this is is what um, comes to us from from our God who Mm -hmm. loves us that lavishly. and so this, these are the behaviors that he's calling us to forgive in that way. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right to tie this to forgiveness. Uh, that's what the, where the 
paragraph begins with, judge not, you'll not be judged, condemn not, you'll not be condemned, forgive, you'll be forgiven. And how true it is when you show grace to somebody, they will show grace in return. And when you judge people harshly, they will judge harshly yeah. in return. Yeah. And and so in a very direct way, oftentimes we can see the truth of this. And and there are, there are relationships in which you can show grace over the long haul, and it takes a long time for that measure to come back to you. But oftentimes it actually goes pretty quickly yeah. when you're charitable with your spouse they'll be charitable with you and i liked just the the different examples in that one sentence mm. good measure pressed those are all different things mm. you can measure it correctly you can press it down like you, i'm thinking of baking like pressing yeah. it down like brown sugar mm-hmm. if you press it down you get more sugar in the cup <laughs> yeah shaken together you can put you can take your flour and mix it with some other kind of flour and then you don't have pure flour you got some mm. blend of something that isn't maybe fair running over is too much like just it's all just really good kind of everyday examples of whatever you do will be done back to you whether it's a good or bad or cheating or uh trying to get away with something mm. or being overly generous it, it's all uh will all come back but there's an inherent danger when for for people who are more generous perhaps than they are than other people are being generous to them or if you're more forgiving than you are being forgiven it can it can set you up to be judgmental mm. i mean there's an inherent mm. risk there isn't yep. there and so that's why you know the heading above this section in luke is judging others and jesus is saying look I, my expectation of you is that you're you're going to be the bigger person. <laughs> You're going to be more loving. You're going to be more forgiving. And by contrast, you might not get back what you're giving, but don't for a minute think then that you can judge them mm-hmm. and set yourself up as yeah. superior to them. Well, and, and I, I mean, this is all rooted in where we left off last podcast. Be merciful even as your Father yeah. is merciful. And so the model is God who forgives us perfectly and who we still, we judge him, which is just insane. But we're constantly like, God is not pulling his weight here. He should be doing this better and that better and do that. You know, I mean, we don't say it out loud, but the attitude of our hearts is that. And uh, and Jesus is once again calling us to be a son of the father and doing, he's, he's orienting us in the direction of the kind of life that he lived. And that's going to convict us, like you're saying. We're going to catch ourselves judging yeah. and need to repent of it. And then it's going to call us to, to respond with grace because we've received grace. And whatever you're... I'm, I'm thinking of the verses in Corinthians about doing things with love. Mm. And if you're, if you're uh, being generous, but your motivation for it is not love, it's some other thing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, whether it's wanting that person to think better of you or... Or wanting to get more back from that person, mm-hmm. like giving them more just so <laughs> yeah. you'll get more back. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the wrong motivation, and you gotta rethink that. Yeah, resounding gong or a clinging symbol. Yeah, even when you yeah. do the good things, if you don't do it with love, then you might as well not. Yeah. The speck in, of sawdust versus the plank. Every time I've read that this text, I've my initial thought is, if we've all had little specks in our eye from time to time, dust particles or whatever. And even a, even the tiniest little speck, let's say it is sawdust, 
from my perspective, it feels like it might as well be a plank because mm -hmm. it's hard to blink. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard to not rub. And when you rub it, it makes it worse. And I, I guess where I'm going with this is I feel like how in the world could you possibly see somebody else's flaws mm -hmm. if you're dealing with something so uncomfortable in yourself mm -hmm. that you have to get rid of first? So I get what Jesus is. I get the analogy. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it would take an awful lot of rationalization and uh, just being blind to your own existence to to not see your own shortcomings but only can only be able to see the shortcomings in somebody else to the point where you can judge them yeah i mean the image is really it's really striking because first of all i can't even see the speck in my own eye like it's too small for me to see in my own eye i just feel it and it drives me nuts how am I going to see the speck in somebody else's eye? It's so tiny. And then the plank, you can't fit that in your eye. It's a grotesque image. It's beyond, it's just It's just kind of ridiculous. You should Google image that one. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, I'm sure an AI could create that yeah. for us. I, I, but uh, the, the, the point is, Jesus is, is drawing this image because he wants us to see this as ridiculous. I am not in a position to, to judge my brother uh, and the only way to be able to help my brother is to be dealing with my own faults by recognizing, confessing them, coming to God, mm -hmm. and seeing myself in in need of His forgiveness. Well, and another way you can you can use this verse kind of productively is if you do notice yourself judging somebody else, you should stop in your tracks and think, what, what is that going on in my life? What does that look like? You know, in my life, because a lot of times that does come out that way. The things that you're struggling with personally, I think especially in your personal relationships, in people that you feel like you can have some influence with, if you're struggling with something, there's a lot of times you'll project it onto mm. somebody else and focus on them because it's easier to fix them than it is to fix yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found personally that oftentimes the plank in my eye is is like anger over something you know i get really mad at somebody and that that anger in me completely blinds me to really being able to understand them or be able to help them or be a brother to them in christ because i'm angry over the thing that i'm judging them for and because i'm angry over the thing i'm judging them for i'm not in a position to actually helpfully judge what is right and what is wrong that the anger itself is the blindness and so uh, for me at least that seems to be like the most common and it really is like jesus describes it i mean it's like it messes up your ability to see anything straight. Mm -hmm. If we tie this text to the previous text from the last podcast, we need to remember that he's talking to disciples here. Right? Mm -hmm. This isn't just for the, the crowd in general. These are for people who are already seeking to learn from Jesus and be imitators of him. Mm -hmm. So he's giving us mm -hmm. some very practical guidelines to follow. If you If you want to be like me if you want to be like <clears throat> this teacher then <clears throat> behave this way and and um, look at looking at that last verse of this section where it says uh, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye i think it's interesting that he's saying you know what there is a role for you to play in helping your brother remove the speck <clears throat> but not before you've gone through the removal of whatever it is that's in you right because in other places, especially in Acts and in Paul's epistles, when you talk about the body of Christ, we are supposed to be there for and with one another in, in 
helping each other live the obedient life and live a, a life that truly is reflecting of, mm-hmm. of faith in Christ. So I don't think that this is saying, hey, mind your own business and quit worrying about what other people are doing. Yep. <laughs> it's that, but it, it's make sure you're not being hypocritical when you're speaking to somebody else in love about yeah. something that may be going on in their life. Yeah, there's a couple of things uh, to, to that. And the, you alluded to speaking truth and love from Ephesians or in 1 Corinthians, Paul says real blatantly, he says, don't judge those outside the church. But he says, are you not to judge those inside? And those are his words, judge those inside. He yeah. expects us to be in that process of of discerning right and wrong and sin and evil. And and this is very hard of a shepherd, right? It's my, my role in my home to be thinking about what is this doing spiritually in the lives of the people that I love and helping them to identify and come to repentance. But how are you ever going to do that when you've got something against them right. or where you're harboring some kind of, I mean, you, this is the work of God's spirit. And so you need to be repentant and walking in step with God's spirit rather than assuming that you can do it in your own wisdom or knowledge. I, <clears throat> there's a phrase that the, I'd say the older generation of Christians <clears throat> sorry, still has in play uh, that, that we've maybe uh, lost a little bit, but that phrase is, uh, there go I, but by the grace of God. And that just that understanding of, you know, wherever I see somebody else, except by the grace of God, I would be there. And so whatever murderer, whatever yeah. adulterer, whatever heinous criminal, or whatever foolish leader or whatever else, wherever what there go I, but by the grace of God, which that keeps me humble and it keeps reminding me to to have compassion and be merciful as my heavenly father is merciful and prepares me better for the kinds of conversations so I can be a brother to the person who is caught in a sin uh, so I can help to restore him, which I think that's yeah, that James language. It doesn't take long uh, a long time in self-reflection to see the many roads I could have gone down yeah. in my life that got, by the grace of God, mm-hmm. I got steered in a different direction. Yeah. And it wasn't because I had such great willpower. Right. <laughs> it was yeah. in spite of the fact that I I didn't. Yeah. Um, I want to go on to verses 43 to 45 because um, we're talking here about trees bearing good fruit, bad fruit. Um, and then he finishes that verse up in verse 45. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. And that harkens to Matthew 15 where he says, From out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder adultery, mm-hmm. sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we I, need a heart transplant is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. My mind just jumps immediately to like, uh, don't follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Your heart is full of evil. Yeah. And that, that is such a 21st century American phrase. You got to follow your heart. Yeah. Don't follow your heart. Don't trust your heart. Your heart is full of all kinds of evil. Follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Let his word be the, what, what guides you and leads you and makes decisions for you because he's trustworthy, but my heart is, is not. So, yeah, what does it say? Guard your heart above all else. Mm-hmm. There's so many. You could, if you just did, okay, class, listeners out there, if you've got a, a study Bible and you can look up the word heart, and find all of the Bible passages that talk about the human heart. 
Psalm 51, David created me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. Ezekiel 36, 26, God says, I will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. So, yeah, Pastor Carl is spot on, absolutely right. Don't trust your heart unless it's already been a heart that's been regenerated. And uh, if it's your heart that's... If it's, if it's Christ's if it, heart. If it's Christ's heart that's telling <laughs> yeah. you do this, then act on that. Yeah. There's there's another verse I just want to throw into the to, or to our minds here yeah. as we interpret Jesus saying, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And, and I remember the conversation of the the young man who comes up to Jesus and calls him good teacher. And Jesus yeah. says, Why do you call me good? no one is good except God alone. Yeah. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So who's the good person who's, who's producing this good treasure from it, from his heart? That's Jesus. Right. And only Jesus. So that's why I, it, if any good comes out of me, yeah, that's a Jesus. That's the heart of Jesus and the spirit of Jesus in me. I don't get credit for it. It's him. That, and this takes us to John 15 with I am the vine and you are the branches, mm-hmm. right? Any good that we do is only because we're connected to right. the heart of Christ. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to just quick speak to parents on that. I, I hear people talk a lot about I want my kids to have good morals or I want them to have Christian morals. Uh, no, you want them to have Christ. You want them to be remain in the vine, be grafted into the vine, to be in this deep and vibrant relationship with the one who produces good in us actively because it's growing in him. Good morals don't carry you very far, but a relationship with Jesus carries you to eternity. And so uh, that's really what you're after is to build that vibrant relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I can't can't even think of anything to say in response to that. I I was going to try to come up with something clever. Uh, It's like you want the consequences of it without the ingredients to what goes into it right yeah that's yep don't just don't just try to hand out don't don't try to hand out morals without yeah jesus because our hearts are evil the morals won't work and that takes us to the last section uh for today which is verses 46 to 49 and it's interesting where he says why do you call me lord lord and do not do what I say. That's a good question. <laughs> do you understand what the word Lord means? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's good to ask because we, we use Lord as a name. Yeah. And we, we pray Lord, dot, dot, dot. And we use it as a name without even stopping to think about the fact that we're saying, yeah. you're the one that I obey. You're the one with authority over me to whom I am accountable. Yeah. And that's what Lord means. In this book that I'm reading right now, it talks about how like, if, if you were to take, if, if the distance between the earth and the, and the sun was equivalent to the width of a piece of, or the thickness of a piece of paper, then the distance from the earth to the nearest star would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. <laughs> and then there, there was one more statistic in there which gets into like the thousands of miles. And then there's a Bible passage that says that God is Lord of the universe. Mm-hmm. So now, and you, you take into consideration that, oh, I know the last statistic was to the end of the Milky Way. It was several hundred thousand miles of paper. So when you consider the fact that there's multiple millions of galaxies out there beyond the Milky Way, and God's the Lord of them all, is this really somebody that you're just going to say is my advisor <laughs> or my friend, <laughs> somebody that I can 
you know, lean on for advice from time to time? I don't think so. Well, so, it goes back to your thing of if you believe he is who he is to begin with. Yeah. If you believe in his birth, and then mm. the, all the rest of it. Plays so, in. Lord really means it's like uh, Thomas in the upper room after the after when Jesus appears. Put your hand in my side. Mm-hmm. See my wounds. And he just drops to his knees, my Lord and my God. Yeah. And in that moment, Jesus ceased to be simply mm-hmm. an advisor to Thomas, but right. he became his Lord. Yeah. And that, that means now what you say, I do, yeah. because you're my Lord. And and I, that's, I mean, we chafe against that because we have this rebellious, sinful nature, but it's such a gift when you when you just kind of relax into that and say okay you be you run the show you make the decisions you sh- you teach me how to handle my money and i won't have to be afraid that i'm going to mess it up because i've got a lord who knows and you teach me how to handle my relationships because you know and it's so freeing and, and i mean jesus says that you will know the truth the truth will set you free and it's so true yeah so he says um i will show you what he is like he who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. And then we get these really great analogies, very much like Psalm 1. Again, it's the second time I've alluded to Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. But, you know, plant your roots deep. You're like a, mm-hmm. a river. Or you're like a tree that's planted near the... By streams of water. Yeah. Yep. Your roots go down deep. You're never going to be dry. You're always going to be green and fresh. And we get that same analogy here. Like a man building a house, dug down deep, laid the foundation on the rock. Nothing could knock it down, even when floods and winds and all of that come. <laughs> I So we moved a couple of years ago, and where we moved into, there was a garage that we weren't sure whether we'd be able to save it or it'd have to be knocked down. And the roof smiled at you. It just had like this <laughs> dip in the middle. And, and it's because uh, they had built it with no foundation. And so it was just on the dirt and and it was sagging and the doors wouldn't move and and so we hired a contractor who came in and he would jack it up and pour some concrete and put posts in and got the thing back level again and it was it was amazing that that they could save that thing but the bottom about foot of the wall had all rotted away it just would like swing freely as oh, they were wow. raising the thing up. <laughs> so I have a very vivid image in my mind of the ho- the house that's built without a foundation, and it would not have lasted much longer without that foundation under it. That would really be that's a really good visual because I don't the the average person really what do you really know about building anything mm-hmm. you know, and to see what the actual effect of having a foundation versus not <laughs> it really gives you a, a good a good idea of how necessary it is and so for our you know same for our faith mm-hmm. how necessary yeah that foundation i really think these two types of ground here the house built on regular shifting sand and that built on on the solid rock of foundation is really describing the two kinds of listeners that are perhaps listening to Jesus at this time, those who hear it and understand it, put it into practice, and then those who simply take his words under advisement. Mm-hmm. But they're just, they're still in charge. Yep. And to me, that that describes me at times. I sinfully have to say, I'm, I take Jesus' words under advisement. 
but I, I need to recognize the lordship that he has and demands of my life. And not only that, the person who, um, who lays the foundation, who hears God's words and does them, that person is gaining experience in God's faithfulness. And that's how mm-hmm. that foundation is built. Yes. Where the person who doesn't follow doesn't learn that God is faithful yeah. and he is who he is. I, I think that's huge. It's this leap of faith that says, I'm going to obey Jesus. I'm just going to use money as an example. So I'm going to obey Jesus and I'm going to give generously. And that's a scary thing to do. But then here's God being faithful and I'm never without. And he keeps on pouring his blessing into my life. And so I learn it's safe to take the next risk of obedience. And that 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 rhythm of little leap of faith answered by God's faithfulness and then you do stand strong. And, and both houses are beaten by this this flood and streams and winds and all that. It's not like you're immune from that. Right. But the house stands. And, and uh, as a pastor, you get to see all, all sides of this. And my heart just breaks when I, I see somebody going through a heartbreak. I, in my mind right now are a couple of people in just really, really broken relationships. And they weren't building on the rock. They were trying to do it. Jesus was an advisor, but not the one who answered the questions for them. And and I see them going the same direction again. And it just breaks my heart because it, it's going to be the same falling with a great crash until they finally decide they're not trustworthy and they need to build on someone whose word really is. I'm going to just, as we kind of get to the end of our time here, put my confirmation teacher cap on for a second because as I look at this text my mind goes to the three uses of the law mirror curb and guide and whenever I teach that and I apply it to myself I always like the mirror version the mirror use of the law best Mm -hmm. because it's really one that doesn't ask a lot of me Mm -hmm. I I can just look at the, the law and say yep I'm a sinner I don't do those things so the the purpose of that the, that law or that purpose is to show me my sin. But we would be remiss if we just left it there. We need to also see the law as a guide. That this, These are Jesus' words for us. This is how he wants us to live. Mm-hmm. And just not, we can't <laughs> use the excuse that I can't do it mm-hmm. to not do it, right. to, not, to not attempt to live that way. And so we... We continue to confess our sins, certainly, but then each day we we drown that old old Adam in us and put on the new man that is ours because of Christ's resurrection, and we live that life for Him, yeah, and in Him, yeah, yep. So. the The Word of God is well. There's lots of passages that, that underscore what you're describing there, but yeah. don't be hearers of the word only, but right. doers right. of the word, and. Um, and then we do discover God's faithfulness and we do have a home that's built on the rock. And and it's not because we're keeping the law perfectly. It does keep sending us back into repentance, but it does keep also showing us that God knows better than I do. Yeah. Okay. That should uh, be about all of our time today. It seems to have gone quickly. Always does. Always does. Thank you very much. Have a great day.